Hey, I'm really honoured to, um, to be opening up this series of My Story, His Story. Um, it's one I'm really excited about, and the Bible tells us about the, um, the power and the word of our testimony. And I think that's for all of us, no matter what your story is, um, whether it's a story like Pastor Trent's that we heard last year, or a story about how you've been brought up in God's always kept you on that straight line. Every story has meaning and power to someone. And so I'm really honoured to be, to be starting this, this series about testimonies. Now, my story isn't just my story. It's also my family's story and especially Rachel's story. And, honey, I'd really like to say thank you for allowing me to share this. Uh, it's a big thing for her, for me to share this. It's a big thing for me to share this. I'm going to give you a little bit of a plot spoiler. I'm talking about a sensitive subject this morning. I'm talking about self-harm. And I'm warning you about that now because if it, you've gone through it or you're going through it or you know something that's going through it, if it hits you, comes and surprises you, it can just come up beside you and it actually can just... I wasn't expecting that. So I want to give you a bit of a, a heads up about that. And it's something that we don't normally talk about in church. In fact, it's something we don't talk about as a society. It's a really taboo subject. No one wants to talk about self-harm. But here's the thing. It's so much more common. Now, this statistic is for US and England, so it's going to be similar in New Zealand, but one in four teenagers harms themselves deliberately before they hit 20. One in four yet we won't talk about it. And I think it's the role of the church to be the one who will have the courage to address it and the love to address it, because that's what it really needs. At the end of the day, the thing it needs most is love. So for us, this really started about nine years ago when Rachel started hurting herself. I haven't got a lot of notes written down because every time I tried to write them down, God said, no, I want you to wing it. So Holy Spirit, I'm relying on you to give me the right words. <laughs> Rachel had been battling with depression and I'm just going to get that out of my way before I trip over it. Battling with depression and anxiety and some other emotional illnesses for a number of years before that. And then that started to manifest in these cuts. And at first they, they were just little, they sticky plaster stuff. And of course, as a husband, I was worried, but we were, had professional help, and I sort of left it up to then. But then it got worse. And as it got worse, I was having to come home from work. I'd get a call, Steve, you need to come home. And I'd make the phone call, you know, especially to mum and dad. Mum, can you pick up the kids from school? I've got to go home. Yep, fine. And a whole lot of family helped out. But I'd have to go home and patch things up quite literally. To give a bit of context to that, I can't watch ER. I can't watch you know, um, any of those hospital-based programs because I can't stand the sight of blood or wounds or, and I never have been able to. How I got through the birth of both kids without fainting, I don't know, but that was just the power of God. Um, but that was, something good was coming out of that. This wasn't, this was me arriving home and going, what am I doing wrong as a husband? How do I handle this? How do I do this? So, of course, we went to see, see the doctors and we got professional help because that's what you do, right? 
And the doctor's answer was to medicate. That's just a Band-Aid, really. It didn't deal with the problem. And as it got worse, and we were making trips to the doctors for stitches, sometimes trips to the A&E, as things got progressively worse, we got more and more help. We went to see counsellors and psychiatrists and psychologists and psychotherapists and psychoanalysts, and no, not quite, but their first answer was, well, just stop. Well, thank you, I hadn't thought of that. We went to the church, and just to, it wasn't this church, it was a church in the city we were living in at the time, and God bless them, they did their best, but they just didn't know how to handle it. They weren't equipped to handle this sort of subject. So we saw, as things progressively got worse, and by this stage, I mean, we were literally on a first-name basis with the nurses at, at the um, at the doctor's surgery, and even some of the nurses at A&E, we, we got to know pretty well. Because this was a really serious thing. This was, I don't want to go into detail because you guys don't need to hear that, but it was, it was serious, it was deep. Um, and the... The nurses and the doctors, they did an amazing job, or most of them did anyway, um, of caring. The church did their best, but they weren't equipped. And we kept going, and I was crying out to God. I'm just going, God, what am I doing wrong? How do I fix this? What do I need to do? Help me understand what's happening. And it kept getting worse. And we kept going to to see the, the professionals, and we got some some good advice from counsellors and some not-so-good advice. We had one psychiatrist look at Rachel and say, Rachel, cutting is an acceptable form of coping. To which Rachel said, Doctor, can I see your scars? Well, I don't have any. Well, why not? Because cutting isn't an acceptable form of coping, is it? No, not really. I was seeing counselling because I, I didn't know how to handle it. I wasn't equipped for it. I had a counsellor say to me, he was a psychologist, he said, Steve, I'm amazed that, of how well you're dealing with this. In my situation, if that had happened to me, I would have just divorced my wife. In fact, have you considered that? Said, no, no, I haven't considered that. Well, maybe you should. No, because I stood before my friends and my family and before God, and I said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I do. And yes, this is poorer, and yes, this is worse, and yes, this is sickness, but I do. But all I had left was to cry out to God. And I remember traveling to work and back, just crying out, God, how do I fix this? I was riding a motorbike at the time, just literally crying into my helmet. Not, not, I don't recommend that because you can't see too well. <laughs> Auckland motorway, helmet, no. Um, just crying out, and at night time, I'd, I'd wait till Rachel went to sleep. And I wouldn't let myself go to sleep before that, so I knew she was safe. And just crying out to God, going, God, how do I fix this? What can I do to fix this? What's, what's wrong, and how do I fix it? Because you see, I'm a fixer. That guitar lead breaks again. I will take it home. I will pull it apart. I will fix it. 
If a mic lead breaks, I'll do the same thing. If the car breaks, I'll take it home, I'll get the manual. There is these great things that you can buy from Repco called Haynes Manuals, and they go step by step how to fix your car. And I'll pull the, the car apart, and I'll fix it. And if that doesn't work, I'll ring Peter, and Peter will come and help me fix it. It's really embarrassing, eh? Like, I'll be like, Pete, I need help undoing this bolt, and you'll come. Thanks, bro. All the time. I can't get this gearbox back, and I'm trying to jack it up, and he comes up. There you go. Um, I'm a fixer. It's what I do. But there's no Haynes manual for wives. I saw a joke one where it's a little Haynes manual for a car and then Haynes manual for a wife and it sat like this high and it was like, volume one. Um, but there isn't a manual for it. So I'm crying out, God, how do I fix it? Then one day... We had a guy over from Sydney training us at work on a new project we were doing. His name was Theo. And he'd been over for a week or so, and he comes up to me and he goes, Steve, I need to talk to you. Okay, you know, the middle, Tuesday afternoon, middle of the workday. He goes, let's go into an office. So we, we go into the office, and I'm like, oh, what have I done? He goes, Steve, I need to talk to you. Okay. Steve, you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm like, mate, that ship has already sailed. Um, he goes, okay. God's got a message for me. Sorry, what? What was that? God's given me a message to give to you. And he was expecting some sort of like go away reaction. But I'm like, cool. Great. Yeah, tell me. All right. And then he goes, Steve, it's not your problem to fix my problem to fix. In fact, it's not your job to fix her. It's not your job to understand. It's not your job to fix her. It's my job to fix her. I don't need a manual because I designed and created her. It's my job. And my and he thinks he's thinking that he's completely nuts. And I just burst into tears, middle of a call centre. Okay, admittedly we're in an office with glass walls, but I'm <laughs> Uh, bawling my eyes out here and and he, he goes so so do you, do you go to church then I'm like and I'm like do you go to church and he's like yeah yeah I go to this little church you might have heard of it called Hillsong I'm like I've heard of it do you know do you know Darlene he's like no I'm like oh. um, and so so then my next question is, well, if I'm not supposed to fix her, what am I supposed to do? I can't just stand and watch. I'm not a passive person. I can't just stand back here and watch this happen and go, okay, God's going to fix it. And he said, no, you're not supposed to do nothing. You're supposed to praise. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to praise me in the middle of this situation, in the middle of this horror, you're supposed to stand there and praise me because from praise comes breakthrough and praise gives strength. So he, he prayed with me through that and then he had to go back off to Sydney, but we kept in touch occasionally. And so that's, instead of crying out to God, God help me, I cried out instead in praise and worship. And I would sing on the way to, to, to work. I was going to say on the way to church, that too. On the way to work, I'd be singing my God is an awesome God I'd be singing any song I could think of really Jesus lover of my soul um, 
this is my desire, shout to the Lord, um, jump to the jam. It didn't matter what song it was, mighty to save, mighty to save, I, I really declared out. And that was one of the verses that got me through that is my God is mighty to save and mighty to deliver because I needed him to be mighty to save and mighty to deliver. It's not the end of the story, though. I would pray and praise through what continued to happen. But after that day, I, I nearly lost Rachel twice. And through that, just as I was on my knees, God said, just keep praising. And so I just left everything in, her, in his hands, left her in his hands. And I remember one particular time, the doctors, as they wheeled her off to surgery said, we might, we might have to take her leg to save her life because of some blood poisoning and some infection. I just watched them wheel her away and I just like, i, I got to get out of here, jumped in, in the car and drove for a bit and just broke down really and said, no God, this isn't what you promised. You said you were going to fix what's wrong. I need to put this in your hands, God. And I just kept praying and praising and I called some people that would pray and praise with me through that and I know I've given some counsellors and psychiatrists a little bit of a, a bad name now we got the right psychiatrist or counsellor we got the right person helping and she was amazing she, she's just a lovely person and she was actually brave enough to say hey this isn't okay this is hurting other people other than yourself no she would not she would she wouldn't take any any crap from her she would call a spade a spade but overall, she loved, and that was really important. Um, and through it, all, through all the the deep wounds, and that point where she almost lost her leg, through all of that, Rachel didn't, you know, no tendons, no ligaments, no arteries, no nothing were damaged. Rachel can still use all her fingers and all her toes, despite the. I think we counted them at 1.37 scars, and most of them were not just once. Through all of that, God was still in control. And then the healing process began. And through that healing process, I continued to pray and praise and worship God as he was in control. It's been well over five years to the point where I've lost count. Five years? It was five years in December, September. So five and a half years that Rachel has been healed completely of self-harm. Obviously she has both legs. And now we stand together and we pray and praise. Praise the God that was in control through that darkest, darkest moment. And um, one of the songs that particularly spoke to me during that time was... Um, by Casting Crowns, it's called I'm Going to Praise You in This Storm. And it starts off, I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped my tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen and it's still raining. And that was really how I felt. But the song finishes with a verse that was talked about last week, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the heaven maker of heaven and earth. He is our creator and he is in control and he has power. So what I want to, I'm probably out of time, so what I want to leave you with this morning is a couple of things. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstances, God's in control. 
He's the creator, he's the designer, he's the manufacturer. The second thing is, no matter what you're going through, praise him in your circumstance because he is the one that has the power and praise does lead to breakthrough and praise does give strength. One of the words in Hebrews um, for, um, for praise can actually be translated strength. And the other thing that I want to say is just real briefly, if you're going through this or if you know someone that's going through this and you need help, come talk to us. Come talk to the leadership team or to me and Rachel if you want to. We will pray with you. We will talk about it with you. We will help you. And just glory to God through Jesus for everything he's done in mine and Rachel's life to, to bring us through this and make us the people we are today and the praises we are today. Cool, thank you. So we just want to ask Rachel to come up, and uh, Tony and Sue, can you come up as well? We just, we just think that's a tremendous testimony that, uh, uh, that Steve has brought, and uh, we just love these people with a passion, and uh, we love our God, and we just love what He's doing in a, such a practical way in families, and if God is for us, who can be against us? And we just want to pray for these ones. I know Tony and Sue has stood by them as well through all this. And it's been a hard row. And, and Rachel, we love you. God's got great things for you. And Steve, he's so committed. He's, he's just all over the church doing, serving, so passionate. And God sees it. He sees both of your hearts. And he's raising you up for great things. And uh, the story's not fully written yet. He's got more for you. And yes, praise gives birth to breakthrough. So keep on praising. Keep on trusting him. Keep on walking by faith on that water. So Father, I just want to lift this family up to you. Father, all together, and I just want to thank you for what you've been doing. Father, thank you for deliverance. Thank you that Rachel has been totally set free. Father, thank you that you are building her again, that you are raising her and Steve up together. Thank you for the, the, Steve's commitment to her as well, Father, and your love shining through a husband who is willing to stand by uh, through thick and thin and be honorable, Father. We see him being so honorable, Father, and we just bless this couple. We bless Tony and Sue and the whole family, the children. Father, take them to heights they've yet to, uh, not yet been to. Father, continue to raise them up and bless many through them, we pray. Thank you for this testimony. Thank you for your faithfulness, O God. You have not let us go even through the darkest valley that we walk through. Like David said, you spread a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So thank you for that. Thank you for victory. We declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. We love you so much. Great to have you back, Tony and Sue, with us. They come up regularly. This is their real home here. Excite. Amen. Awesome. Do you know that your future is history with God? Isn't that amazing, eh? So dream big, Rachel and Steve. Keep dreaming. He's got big dreams for each and one of us. So we're going to invite Harmony Hager to come and share. She's got a story to share too. I wish I was like Steve and could just do this without notes, but nope. God created us to be different, and I've got notes, so it's just the way it is. First of all, I just want to thank our pastors for giving both Steve and I the opportunity to share. It's an honor. It's a huge honor to share to all of, our, um, all of you guys here, um, and to honor Steve and Rachel for their story. It's so cool. All of us do have a testimony and a story to, to tell, and no matter how big or small the story is, it has an impact um, first of all, I'll just introduce myself for people who don't know me. I'm Harmony Hager. I'm 24 years old. I 
have my lovely husband back there, and he's rocking a baby back to sleep, but it looks like she just woke up. Um, my ministry is worship. I love to sing. I love to play my guitar, and it's something I've always done, whether it be on the toilet seat or whether it be on a massive stage. Let's be real. That's where it starts when I'm stuck on the toilet. Christ alone. Yeah. Um, And yeah, just another thing, it's so cool to be in the family of God. It's so cool to see our extended family coming back home. And it's awesome if you're new, because in our view, you're just welcome back into the house. And it's a pleasure. So as that says, my story, his story, and my story's got a lot to do with... God's plans not matching with our plans, and I and, and our ideals aren't His ideals, but to trust them even when they don't make sense. So I've called my message, you do you and I'll do me. So I'll just quickly pray. Father, thank you, God, for our testimonies. Lord, I just pray that this message, Lord, will bless someone here today. Uh, Lord, it's just been so cool to live out this Testimony hard, but it's worth it, in Jesus' name. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my husband. You might see him with a fat head after this, but that's okay. For everyone who has met him, they will never forget him. He shares the word with a passion. He hears the Holy Spirit, and prayer has become a priority. Some might think he's been raised in church and born into a family that sculpted his beliefs in Jesus today. But I married him when he thought my beliefs were a crutch, a coping mechanism to get me through life. Ah, he he knew I loved God and supported me in my ministry commitments, but couldn't understand why I praised him when we got paid each month or when he got a promotion, because in his eyes, I did that. I got that, not God. I knew what I was in for, but it was getting hard. So let's just reminisce a little bit, and I'll just tell you a bit about how we met and things. So we met in about 2009. I was a part of a media crew that covered Polynesian events in Australia, and he was on tour as a saxophonist in the reggae band 1814. His first words to me were, hi, I'm Ruben. What's your occupation? (laughs) He always held a huge bottle of water in his hand. A few months later, 1814 had a gig in my town that I lived in, and that's when our personalities clicked. I soon joined the band in January, and we started dating on November 2010, after professing our love for each other. Obviously, he said that first, not me. (laughs) He definitely wasn't my ideal. He definitely wasn't what I thought God had for me, but God had different plans. In 2010 through to 2012, I had broken up with him twice, and the third time was his decision. He flew down from Queensland and ended it for the same reason I did in the past. We may have loved each other, but my beliefs and his are like oil and water. It was unfair on each other to live with conflicting beliefs. But in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, it says, Love doesn't always go, oh, love does not demand its own way. So basically, I had to let him go. On the way home from dropping him off at the airport, I worshipped to get over my heartbreak. I sang Cornerstone. Do you know that song? Christ alone, Cornerstone, 
weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. I was right next to my mum and she was holding my hand while, she, while my, her daughter was a blubbering mess. But he, she was there and sang to God and had her own conversation. Why the heck would you put me in this, God? Why did I have to witness this? He wasn't her ideal. Definitely not what she thought God had for me, but God had different plans. On July 13, 2012, Holy Spirit then jumped on her case about Reuben. She didn't want a bar of it, though. She wanted Jared Haynes, the famous rugby player, to come and sweep me off my feet, or someone who was born again, a man of God, to come and rescue me. Anyone but Reuben. <laughs> but God's message was clear, and she finally gave in. What the Holy Spirit wants won't always make sense. And in this verse up there, it'll say in Romans chapter 55, verse 9, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. She then got in touch with Reuben, which later resulted in her telling him that he was accepted and loved just the way he was, besides his beliefs, which could be hard for any parent, especially my ones who brought, up, brought us up in church and wanted us to have mighty men of God, but it didn't look the way that they wanted. But they had to let him know. We then got the blessing of our parents to court eight months later, and on the 14th of April, we were engaged. Perhaps he is my ideal. Perhaps he is what God wants for me. And God's plan was and is perfect. 26th of December, 2013, two days before my wedding, I woke up in terror. I was so scared. The kind that I felt before breaking up with him in the past, all those questions and all those doubts came flooding back in. What are you doing, Harms? Surely God didn't call you to be unequally yoked. Following through with this could be the biggest mistake of your life. You can't even handle this. I got out of bed, grabbed my Bible and journal and borrowed my brother's car keys and I went off to the beach. I sat at the park bench, the one that you see behind me, that, will, that you will see behind me. I asked God in this moment while I was sitting on that park bench exactly that time. I said, what did I say to him? I, wanted, I just wanted him to speak to me. But first I asked, tell me, is he my ideal? Is he who you had for me? What's the plan? I flipped open my Bible, hoping that I'll find all the answers to my questions and found this passage that stood out to me like never before. Isaiah 56, 1, salvation for others. It says, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. As I read this, I heard God say, I want you to love him as I have loved you. Keep doing what you know is right. Don't worry about Reuben. I'll take care of him. Basically, my, my translation is, you do you, babe, and I'll do me. Okay? 
From that day on, everything, my extended family, pastors, church family, friends from school even, all with really good intentions and heaps of love, all they said, all they had said about him being the wrong choice had, re- had been replaced by this word God gave me. No one could convince me otherwise. I'm not saying you shouldn't take heed of the advice of your loved ones, but what I'm saying is that you should first seek the kingdom. See what he wants first. After vowing my life to this gorgeous man, gorgeous man I've ever seen, I fasted on and off without telling him. I secretly prayed every Sunday morning that he would walk up after an altar call. Even though he would say on a regular basis, stop praying for me. Stop hoping because it ain't going to happen. He'd come to home groups and he would have all the flash answers, but no hints of salvation or so I thought. I was getting impatient. I wanted results. I wanted to see this promise that God said to me, but I wanted it now. It wasn't until February 28th, 2015, our church were doing baptisms. As I watched them get immersed one by one, I felt discouraged because Reuben wasn't one of them. I decided that they, nah, don't want it. You do it. I can't do it anymore. I can't fast anymore. I can't pray anymore. I'm just over it. And then the next morning, get this, that morning, he even, we're on our way to church. And he even said to me on our way there, I hope you don't think I'm going to get saved today. (laughs) Because I'm not. And goes, you know me, like, I already know what I believe in. And it's not, you know, God. But little did he know that he ended up walking to the front. You can imagine my face as I was singing Eagle's Wings. <laughs> you can imagine my face. I was like, hey, because I had my guitar in hand. I had a massive puku because baby was one month, uh, one more month until she was ready. I thought he was just going to fix my, my microphone stand or something was wrong with it because he was the sound guy. But he actually stopped at the front. I was like, what? And like my sister who was praying beside me and she's looking at me like, do you see this? He's actually praying like, yeah, this is it. I'm like, no. And, and just the day before, I was like, I can't do it. But I sometimes wonder, what if I didn't come to that point and I still just kept on doing what every good Christian girl should do? I better fast, I better pray, I better do everything. Perhaps I was actually getting in the way of what God needed to do. My husband didn't walk up to the altar because he wanted to or because he was pressured to, but because the voice of his spirit had gained more power by hearing the word of God and being surrounded by his people. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That whole year God was working on softening the soil, the job that I thought was mine. For seed, but He was just getting it ready for seeds of faith, which were being planted in things like home groups, things like coming to church, and He was just serving. He didn't know God, but, he, but the pastors gave Him the opportunity to serve in which He was the best servant. I'll now, oh, now, I'll now finish, but... I just want to share with you a famous quote from Joyce Meyer that I just absolutely adore. You do what you can do, 
and let God what you can't let let God do what you can't do. There you go. So I'll just quickly pray. Praise God. Lord, we just want to thank you first and foremost for who you are and for doing all the background work. We just thank you, Jesus, that you call us to such big and small things. We pray for our family in and outside these walls who are yet to know you, Lord, and praise you for the plan and purposes you have for them. Help us to rely on your perfect timing and help us to accept the call, Lord Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a couple of awesome, awesome testimonies. Amen. And these are stories of when we think we're not doing something right or when we think we're not doing enough. The revelations that it's actually not us that makes the change. It's our Father. It's God. He makes the change. We just have to be faithful. I've got a verse here from Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor shall the flame scorch you. Because He is our God, and He walks with us, and He fills up our iniquities, and we are made righteous through His blood. So there's, some, there's, there's somebody here this morning. There's somebody here this morning that is trying and trying and praying to God and saying, please, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do? What more do I need to do? And I'm just encouraging you this morning, reach out your hand and ask Him. Hand it over to Him. Praise Him through the storm because He is there and He is making the change. It's not for you to make the change. You don't have the power, but praise God, Jesus has the power and He is in us. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. So I just encourage you, as the worship team builds up, I just encourage you now, with every eyes closed, I'm just going to pray. But if you are in that moment, if you are there now, if you have done all that you can do, if you have done all the work that your hands can bear and you are still not seeing the fruit, I encourage you now to just lift your hand. Lift your hand and I'll pray with you. And we'll pray together and we'll just say, God, we are not capable ourselves, but you are. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Thank you. Keep raising your hands. He is here with you this morning and he is helping you through your weakness. So as, as you have your hands raised, praise him. Praise him in your own way right now as I pray with you. Lord, we thank you that though we don't have enough ourselves, you are enough. You are always enough. And you gave yourself on the cross so that we could enjoy that victory that you have already won over everything we struggle against, Father. We, we walk here from a place of victory. We sing from a place of victory. We step out into our workplace from a place of victory. We have already won. In Jesus' mighty name, we rest in you, Lord. Thank you, Father, and we praise you right now. Raise to your feet and praise His name. Raise to your feet and praise His name.
Thank you that you are the author of salvation. You made a plan for us, Father. You made a plan to come to you, to lay our burdens at your feet and to raise them from our shoulders, Father. You have made us righteous with your blood. There's someone here that's come here for the first time. If there's someone here that has been asking, who is Jesus and what does it mean to me? I encourage you now as you're all still standing, I encourage you right now, this is the time Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart right now. You've heard these testimonies. You've heard the life-changing capacity Jesus can have in your life. You just need to trust Him. So I encourage you right now, with every eye closed right now, if you don't know Him, and you are seeking, seeking something, He is here to answer you this morning. If you don't know Him and you want to invite Him into your heart, raise your hand with us now. Raise your hand with us now. He is knocking on the door of your heart. Thank you. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Raise your hand. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. With your hand there raised, with every eye closed, thank you. Praise God. Say these words along with me if you've raised your hand now. Jesus Christ, I thank you, Father. I thank you that you went to the cross and you died for me. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that by your blood I am made righteous with him. And I invite you into my heart now. Thank you, Father. You are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you. There's a party up in heaven right now. There's a party down here. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Praise you guys. Thank the Praise God. And thank you guys for coming here today. Spend some time with us in fellowship. There's some coffee down the back. And get to know your family in Christ. Be blessed. Thank you.